Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And Taylor, it is a bad time to be a Buffalo sports fan, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I was just thinking about how I've I've never actually thought any uh, potentially criminal thoughts about officials or officiating or any anyone uh, being sent to the hag no. for, for what they've done. Uh, have, I don't know why I even brought that up because I've never thought about it. No reason. Man, what just uh, – what a terrible – what the hell? Like, I don't even know what to say about this. I don't even want to get – officiating. McDermott made some bonehead calls yet again. Life life is bad. Things are not good. It really sucks. And so I guess we should talk about the other team. So, uh, Sabres had a great week. Really good stuff. Very exciting. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember the last time they won. I don't either. I don't either. Well, as we had talked about on our last episode, the current story of the team is Uko Pekalukkanen, who has done a phenomenal job taking over as a team starting goalie, as the fifth goalie to play for the Sabres this year. As we've talked about at length this year, the goaltending, by and large, over the past couple of weeks has been a mess. Aside from early on in the season when Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski were playing well above what we would expect of them, the team has just completely come back down to earth. And this was all while, though, the team was scoring. Prior to UPL's three-game stint, this team was on its best scoring rate since they had last made the playoffs. So, you know, they're putting goals away. They're scoring, but they just were not getting goaltending from Tokarski, from Aaron Dell. Anderson's been hurt. They get Malcolm Subban. He gets hurt. UPL has a shaky start to the year in Rochester, starts to turn it around. Just as he's starting to play better down there, they call him up. And he's been phenomenal. Uh, of course, we had a shootout loss against the Capitals on Saturday. Prior to that, a uh, loss against the Rangers on Friday night. Over his three games with the Sabres, he has allowed two goals per game. Taylor, guess how many goals the Sabres have scored in that same time span through the past three games four three 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 goals in their last three games after losing seven to four games they have been only able to muster three goals over their last three games so it has not been good uh a two to one loss against the rangers and then a three to two loss into the shootout against the capitals I, i think the one thing that really has stood out though for me with upl is just his general 
confidence in there. You know, he's just stood strong through, I mean, uh, you, you looked at the third period of the, of the two weekend games and man, he made some incredible saves down the stretch showing off really impressive lateral movement, moving from side to side in the crease, a couple of insane one-timers that he ended up saving where guys were point blank in front of the net. And he just made a couple of just enormous pad saves flashed the, go- the glove a few times too, all down the stretch in these high pressure moments when they really needed him to make a save. So for the first time all season, not only do you have a guy who's just generally speaking, seeming pretty steady in there, but down the stretch, when you need to have a save, like a big save to keep you in the game, he's making them for you. And they still could not finish and put them away. So Taylor, generally speaking, what do you make of this weekend's games? And now the team continuing its current slide where I believe they are one ten and one in their last 12. Well, you can't go one ten and one without things uh, going really haywire. So obviously it wasn't really possible for them to just to continue to be as bad as they were in net. As they were at the beginning of that slide with, with Dowell and Tokarski and even the one game we saw with Subban play. So obviously Tok- Subban's hurt. Tokarski has COVID. That gives UPL a chance. Hey, look at that. They got three straight games of good goaltending. He's a 938. He's only allowed, I believe, so he's allowed six goals. So I think, and he's had a face 30 shots, I think in all three games. So that, I mean, that's awesome. 938. And I, I don't know how many teams, uh, how many times a team's gone 0-2 and one in a three game stretch where they've had 938 goaltending. It can't be often. And no. it's like you said, it's basically as soon as they got goaltending, they couldn't score anymore. And yeah, I guess that, you know, the Rangers have been a good goal prevention team this year. They've gotten good goaltending. Congrats but, on the box. Yeah. Whew. And I yeah, I mean, really quick that I think you'll be proud of. What's that? I was at the game on Friday and it was honestly probably like a 50 50 split between Rangers and Sabres fans. And in the 100 level, I had moved around a couple of times with uh, my buddy who I was with constantly surrounded by Rangers fans throughout it. And every single time they would start, let's go Rangers chance. I would just repeatedly scream capo caco sucks. And no Rangers fans really like gave me any shit. And everybody kept looking at me kind of being like shrugging their shoulders pretty much. One guy who's sitting behind me at one point who was like laughing at me when I would do it, he tapped me and was like, why are you just like picking on Capo Caco? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Oh, didn't you hear he's untouchable for a Jack Eichel trade. And He's with, it's this guy probably in his thirties. He's with his dad there. And they're both like diehard Ranger fans who'd come up from Jersey and the dad immediately, I explained to him though, like that we, you know, that a lot of people in Buffalo rag on Capo Caco and just in general people do, but in Buffalo specifically, we rag on Capo Caco because there are ridiculous Rangers fans who truly believed that he would have been too much of a price to pay for Jack Eichel. And uh, both of them, in no uncertain terms, pretty much called anybody who would think that a complete idiot, probably with a lot more swearing in there too. Um, but well, we they were nice people, but uh, there was these, even like these loser dudes who are sitting in front of me, who are like the typical broiest of broy Rangers fans. And uh, Ranger they kind of, what's that? Ranger bros, uh, Ranger bros. And then they're at, like, you know, talking to me about Capo Caco and stuff. And they're like kind of agreeing and everything and laughing, but they keep trying to start the chance. And every time I would just try and drown them out by screaming that Capo Capo sucks. So moral of the story is, is that this guy's down bad when even his own fan base is just kind of like, 
Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't disagree with you. They're just like, yeah, but why do you care? <laughs> yeah, right. We're the ones that are supposed to be mad. We drafted this guy second overall. He's yeah, name to rub it in their face a little bit. Yeah, seriously. So, Sorry. So, yeah, so I'm glad you got to go enjoy a, a nice game there. Well, that's one that was very annoying. This is why I mentioned officials, not just with the, uh, the Bills or whoever, whatever that football team is called. They really just cost the Sabres at least a point in the Rangers game, it seems like. Yep, yep. Called back a goal. Well, it was originally called a goal, which then was given an offside review. And they incorrectly called the play offsides, taking away the goal. I mean, to me, you know, this aside, I think this just speaks to the greater conversation that really needs to be had with the league, that this rule needs to be removed. I'm not just saying this because we were on the receiving end of, I guess it, you know, pretty much working the opposite of how it's supposed to, but more so it just takes away so much from the game. It takes away from the pacing of the game. It was created because of a once in a generation bad call that then the NHL just goes complete knee jerk reaction and institutes this rule, which, you know, we're, we're splitting hairs with all of these calls that end up getting called back. I mean, 95% of these, 95 plus percent of these offside reviews come down to the most minuscule fraction of a moment that if you're going to penalize a team for that, then how can it just be for that and not all of the other split second moments that refs just completely let go by the wayside? You know, it, it's just yeah. such a stupid rule and it takes away from the excitement of the game for a league that desperately needs excitement when you have some of the most incredible plays that can end up happening, but then they can get called back due to the fact that a guy's foot was a half, a half an inch, like offside. It's just ridiculous to me. And in the case of this, it it works against the whole intent of the rule in the first place. How are you going to have this rule in place and allow a team to challenge a play to be offsides? It goes to Toronto for them to review it, or it goes upstairs, whatever, to the booth to review it. And then you get the call wrong. What's the point of the rule if it's not going to be even enforced correctly? Yeah, so, I mean, that that's ridiculous. I, I can't even get over that. Well, there's a few problems I have with that. So, first of all, if they want to do this offside thing because of what happened in Montreal in 2015, then fine. But, like, this has been said many times. This should be limited to, like, five to ten seconds after the offside if the goal scored. Because if it's after that, then that's then, – then you get into just – like you said, the the theory behind what you're doing. Because if it's like someone – they are offsides by a, a foot or less than a foot, like a skate blade, whatever, and then 25 seconds later they scored, that's crazy. That's crazy to just be able to go back and review that. Ridiculous. And it's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's really it's terrible for the game in general. But I, I also think it's annoying. In every sport it's supposed to be like clear evidence to overturn. And that standard completely changed in the NFL. They just gave up on that completely. But this was not clear evidence to overturn. There's you, no. sh- you can't overturn that. I mean, if that was the original call, then you could uphold it. Well, that's that, that kind of classic close call. But now you can see that it, it wasn't even. He was not offside. So that's – There's no reasonable explanation somebody could give for getting that wrong in the moment. Like, that has to be right. You, you can't do that and then – Later that night or a few hours later, you put a call into the Rangers and Sabres and say, oh, well, we got that wrong. I mean, it's unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Yep. Sucks. So, on the other hand, how, how many more starts do you think UPL should make? 
as many as possible. I mean, you look at this weekend, he started a back-to-back, which is pretty much an unheard of in today's NHL. I'd have to think that that's only happened a handful of times this season so far across the entire league. So, you know, I mean, it was great to see him get a back-to-back. He, he handled himself really, really well. I think that they should continue to play him. I mean, you know, I know that this year is, is about development and everything, but this is the time for us to know if this guy has it or not, you know, I mean, there's virtually nobody ahead of him realistically on the depth chart right now who you can make a reasonable case and say, Hey, you know what? No, we need to keep playing him over UPL and not even Craig Anderson with how well he's played too so far this season. I mean, the guy's 41 years old, you know, I I think that when it comes to UPL, I think you got to ride him. I think you got to keep playing him. I mean, he's been far and away their best goalie this season He has looked like he's belonged in the NHL. And I think especially to, you know, after his start in Rochester and then how he progressively got better there. And then you bring him up. I mean, what does it say to this guy if you're going to send him back down after he's been, you know, like I said, far and away the best goalie on the team this season, you know? So for for me, I mean, I think you keep him up, you keep rolling him until you get to the all-star break and uh, and the Olympic break. I'm, I'm not sure how the AHL scheduling works there, but I think then you could send him back down around then so he can get a couple of extra starts in. And, you know, I think what's important for, for everybody this season is to make sure that they are on the most ideal and optimal developmental track that you possibly can. You know, for like Jack Quinn and Paterka and Krebs, keeping them in Rochester. Yeah, that probably is ultimately for the best for them to just keep growing their game, improving their game, leading Rochester to be a winning team down there. Sooner or later, they're going to get a call up for an injury or something like that. One of those guys will. But in UPL's case, I mean, you know, he hasn't had that full season in the AHL yet, but also, you know, he's he's been around for a few years now, you know, like this isn't his first taste of NHL experience. And while I know it's limited, I still think that you have to play this guy and you, you have to keep putting him out there and keep seeing what you have in him. Because I think also on top of that too, you know, there's still a ways off. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they're knocking on the door or anything, but you have Portillo and Levi who are just dominating in college right now. And while they're still a couple of years off from getting into the system, you know, this is the time where you got to see if UPL has the juice, you know, if, if this is the guy who's going to be your starting goalie moving forward, or if he's at least capable of it, you know, he's not going to be racking up wins, but if he can show that he can keep his head above water in the NHL, I think you have to keep giving him that experience because that's ultimately what's going to make him a better goalie. Yeah, I agree with that. It's also, it's an interesting situation now. So they, they've played five goalies so far this year already. It's, it's only mid-December and all five of them are technically still property of the Sabres. Now, who knows if we ever see Craig Anderson again, he might've been shipped to a farm upstate. <laughs> And who knows when we see Subban again? Is that it's not really clear, is it? Not quite yet, but I don't. I think he's resumed skating. So, right. So at this point, I would think you have Tokarski uh, play when he comes back. I assume he's back soon from COVID. They have him and UPL up together. Yeah. And then Dell back in Rochester with Hauser, and then we'll see what happens when Subban or Anderson comes back. Yeah, I mean something's gonna have to give there. I think just given asset from like an asset management perspective, I don't know what you end up doing, but like, I think Subban is, is higher on the organizational depth chart than Dell is. Yes. So I think like, you know, that like, he's the one who's going to end up being the odd man out. Dell. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I would think Mm -hmm. he's got a company to run. 
I, I can't have much faith in that. I mean, I don't. If, I, watching this, how would you feel if you're even if you were just a guy that sweeps the floor at night? <laughs> like that's my boss. Are you kidding me? So yeah, I'd rather never see him him play another game as a saber. But this week, uh, Sabers have a, a three in a four night stretch. I would play uh, UPL against the Jets on Tuesday, uh, and then against the Wild on Thursday probably, and then Friday you can stay. You know what? Actually. UPL against the Penguins on Friday, maybe. And then, you know, maybe just play them all three games. Who cares? No, but if you want to give them a break somewhere in there, I don't know actually where you give the break. Theoretically, you'd say the Jets, but that doesn't make sense because that's a Tuesday game. So mm-hmm. Thursday, they have the Wild. Friday, they have the Penguins. So one of those games, I guess, you give to Tokarski. Yeah. You should be soon. I hope. So that'd be ideal. You're going to find out, like, Tokarski actually didn't have COVID. He had whooping cough, and he's decade to decade. <laughs> So, hopefully, hopefully that's just a joke, and Tokarski is actually back this week. I really hope that is the case. Yes. So you mentioned earlier the Olympic break. Is there going to be an Olympic break? That's a good question. I mean, then what do they do? They're going to have. Are they going to do like an in-season rescheduling of the games? Yes, they have a plan for that. They do. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not something they want to do though. I mean, I really hope that I I know that there's a lot of factors playing into this right now. And this is the obvious thing. And I'm sure that everybody who's listening to this right now is gonna is feeling the exact same way. But my God, like give us hockey in the Olympics, please. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Steven Stamkos has never played in the Olympics. Is that so? Really? So he broke his leg in 2014 or whatever. Yeah, broken leg, I think. He missed most of that season. Wow. And then 2018, they didn't go. I don't know why he didn't go in uh, 2010, though. He was in the NHL. That's really strange. I didn't, how'd you he end up coming across that? Canada? Why must have How'd you end up coming across that? I heard it on the Puck Soup podcast. Interesting. Yeah, so the reason we're talking about this, if you guys haven't heard, uh, the NHL PA this week came out and says – uh, they're concerned in uh, about the COVID-19 protocols and actually really the, the lack of clarity with the COVID-19 protocols at the Olympics, which are taking place in Beijing in uh, about six weeks, allegedly. Mm. So Don Fair, the Players Association president, uh, said there's a lack of concrete answers from the Beijing Organizing Committee about the COVID-19 protocols, including quarantine logistics uh, and that's led to some uncertainty for players. Uh, our old friend Robin Leonard just said he's not going. Straight up took his wow. – he would have been probably a starting goalie. Yeah. He took himself out of consideration. Um, so here's – there's a few things. One is like, you know, if you get COVID over there, what happens? If you get COVID from the start, you're done. You're not playing in the tournament in all likelihood. But what if you get COVID on the last day, right? And then you now now you're stuck in China – for an indefinite period of time. And like the lack of concrete answers thing is interesting because they want you to get two negative tests before they let you go. But if you don't, you're according to their protocols, it seems like you could be stuck there for up to five weeks. Which doing the math here, uh, you could miss most of the rest of the regular season then. That seems like yeah. an extreme situation. But yeah, so like hmm, February, mid February. This year, the regular season is going to go till almost May because of the two breaks. Well, you'd miss the All-Star game for whatever that's worth to you. Mm-hmm. So this will be interesting. Maybe players uh, want – maybe it'll be a type of thing, you know, like you've seen in the NBA the past few years 
uh, where NBA guys don't go to the Summer Olympics as much, even though that's not during their season for one reason or another. Maybe you'll start to see that in the NHL more. That's an interesting point. Also, I'm thinking about it too with Team Sweden, and there's a chance that Leonard wouldn't start too because they have Jacob Markstrom as well. So they have at least some depth in goal, but regardless. I guess I guess Markstrom would probably start. They'd probably both get time, I guess. Yeah, and then just ride whoever was hot. But, yeah, I, it it's going to be crazy to see how it unfolds. I mean, they're going to have to figure it out sooner rather than later because they're not going to be able to just let this go up until the last moment. And then what happens? I mean, are what, you know, is it going to be like the entire sport? Is it going to just not happen then like at the Olympics? I mean, how are they going to end up doing that? That is an excellent question. If NHL players don't go, I wonder if they just have to scramble to fill out the roster. Like last time it was like a weird kind of team of scrubs like Brian Gianta was there. It was like yeah. guys like him that, you know, were no longer good enough to be in the NHL, but no one that good. Like for theoretically at that time, Jerome McGinley could have played for team Canada. He was retired. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. But like no one of that prestige would do that. Right. So that's interesting. So I'm looking up stamp coast right now. Uh, There's a very sad article from 2013 on Sportsnet about how excited he is for Sochi. Oh, um, let's see. Hmm. About it talked about Sakic's uh, performance in 2002 and how important that was to him. Hmm. So obviously he got hurt and didn't get to go in 2014. But now I'm looking. It seems like he was just left off the 2010 team. Wow. I mean, 2010. That was a pretty stacked team. I, I, you yeah. Oh, you know what? Say they they left off him and San Luis. I forgot about that. Who were the last forwards on? Did that's a I know probably a nice little trivia question offhand, but huh? That's really Danny interesting. And Brendan Morrow were on the team. Oh my god! Wow. The two, Team Canada's two healthy forward reserves in Vancouver were Stamkos and San Luis. So he was there both reserves. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Goodness. I mean, he was young, but like he was he was better than Brandon Morrow, right? Yeah, I would think. That I, time? Mean, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about Steven Stamkos. He was pretty highly touted coming out of the gate. Yeah. Not that's... Like he was exactly like a late bloomer there. I, I'm going to look this up to make sure I'm not wrong. I'm pretty sure Stamco scored 50 goals that year. Come on. Didn't he? Didn't Wasn't it like him, Crosby, like tied for the league lead? He didn't have one MVP, though, because Henrik Steen won it. It's, yeah, he had 51 goals. He had 95 points. How do they leave him off this team? What in God's name? in the name. midst of that season. That is, that's, that's insane. That is absolutely ridiculous. People forget... Stamkos used to be uh, like insanely almost Ovechkin level prolific with goals. Yeah. Back in the day. So he, not a good rookie year, but then that was his second year. His age 19 season, he had 51 goals. And then he had 45 and then he had 60. Oh, and then man. 29 in the 48 game lockout season, 25 and 37 in 2014 when he was hurt. And then 43 and since then, it hasn't been as good. He has a 45-goal season in there, but he's missed a lot of time. Still, though, with all the time he's missed. Yeah, he's at 452 goals at the age of 
32, almost 32 now, be 32 later this season, missing like literally hundreds of games. Like I'm looking at this now. He missed, see, like 40-something games that season, five games in 2016, 65 games in 2017, uh, more than a dozen games in 2019-20, missed – about 18 games last year. So he missed like wow. more than a hundred games. He really should be at 500 goals already. Good for him. Shout out. Good for him. Yeah. That's crazy though. My God. So I bet he wants to go to the Olympics. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, of course. I mean, shit, he's already won two cups. What's you got to prove the NHL right now? Yeah, to that's fair. Give him a new challenge. Yeah. He'll probably get to probably get to 600 goals. Easily a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. 100%. Never won MVP, but he's never going to now. Never really had to, though. I mean. Yeah, he was close. He probably. He enough of a resume that he had 60 really... goals. What do you think? He should, you think he could have been considered for MVP that year? Uh, yeah, I would think he should have been up there. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> just maybe. Hey, do we have uh, any word from our, our friends at DraftKings today? Are you sure you want to hear this? Oh no. We do, but I, I warned you. I hear it. <sighs> okay. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. No, Not always. I don't. I don't love that. <laughs> but the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. I don't feel like a winner, Taylor. New customers who bet just $1 and any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. It's like going for it on fourth and three when you're down two touchdowns in the second half. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. You would also just shoot yourself in the leg 45 times. <laughs> it would feel the same way. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score. Win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years of age or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know who doesn't have that? Have to call 1-800-GAMBLER? Who? Sean McDermott. He yeah. does not have to call them. He does not have any problem taking chances. Sean McDermott. Taylor. <laughs> no, I don't know him. I, I, I understand that the guy, you know, he broke the drought. The Bills are, are back to being a respectable organization now. I, I, he, he's just continuing to do this where he's deliberately getting in the way of them winning games with some of this decision-making. And I, I don't know if he's the guy. And I'm sure that uh, some of the Bills loyalists out there will will be like, you know, think of me as Benedict Arnold for saying that. And I think, but I think a lot of people are are realizing this this year that the coach that we had last season and the coach that we had this year are two different guys. And the coach that we had this year that we have currently is a lot closer to historically who this guy has been. And I don't like that guy. I like last year's guy a lot more than I like this one. Yep. Yeah. So. If you 
just as a little a little ray of light here. You or anyone else who's worried because they're not firing McDermott. Probably not for they probably have to miss the playoff two years in a row on a state of fire yeah. him, I bet. Yeah, and I think they might still make the playoffs here. So all this year. So I, they just have to beat the Jets, Jets, Panthers, and Falcons to get to ten and seven. And the way they played today, uh, infuriating as it is, makes me feel at least decent about New England. I don't feel great. So winning those last four, they're in for sure. They go ten and seven. It's close, but man, these teams suck. You think that they went out? Uh. Because that's what they have to do. If they don't win out, they're probably not making it. They're more no, like no, I think that's what I'm saying. I think well, they win out, they're in. But I think if they don't win out, I think they might still be in. You, I wow, interesting. Well, they're in right now at the moment. They are. Um I just the other teams around them, who do you think's passing them? Like who are you really scared of? I'm scared of the Bills more than I'm scared of any other teams. I'm scared of yes. them. I'm, I'm scared they're going to lose one of those games to the Panthers, Jets, or Falcons. Let me pull up the standings. Where the heck is my phone? I have to look at the standings really quick. Because it's like, I don't have faith in the Broncos or the Steelers or the Browns. I mean, I guess someone has to win the NFC or AFC North, but. Here, hold on. I'm pulling up. NFL. So right now the Chargers are ahead of us. I assume the Chargers will finish ahead of us. Uh, the Colts are ahead of us. Who knows, man? Carson Wentz sucks. I mean, they're really good outside of that, but and then behind the Bills is the Browns. No faith in them because they, they their quarterback is a, a joke. Like I said, though, someone has to win that division. The Bengals are seven and six. Denver seven and I six. I can see the Bengals it's doing it. Six. Yeah, but what, who's going to win the division now that Lamar's hurt? What if Lamar's hurt long term? Yeah. I don't know. And if the Bills continue, all I'm saying, in my opinion, is that the Bills continue. I would say, if anything, actually, this game needs to be the fire, the spark that lights a fire under McDermott. I mean, how can you continue to coach so conservatively after this week when what gave you the most success in the second half? was the, the thing that they have been pretty much trying to actively get away from all year. You know, I mean, like Josh has not been, I know statistically the numbers have been pretty, pretty close from last year, this year, but I don't think as a whole, he has been playing as well this year as he has last year um, or as he was last year. I, I mean, he seeing him bring them back was probably the most encouraging. I felt watching Josh, all season this year because you're doing that against a legitimate team like a legitimate defense you know and that's the kind of style that they need to play all year you know you don't you're running all of these successful design run plays with Allen today but you you don't do that while you're in the middle of a giant windstorm last week I I mean what are you thinking you know it's just so many just questionable decisions repeatedly being made and it doesn't feel like they're learning from their mistakes. And that's what really worries me is if McDermott is just going to keep relying on just being this, this conservative coach who is just playing to not lose games rather than actually playing to win. By playing so, to not lose, he's losing. What, what I was getting at earlier when I, when I brought that up is, so like I said, he's not going to get fired this year or probably next year, barring disaster. So if you're a person that's worried, very worried now about in-game coaching and all that or or anything or thinking that he might hold the bills back from being Super Bowl contenders. I would say 
Uh, just as a reminder, the the last five coaches to win the Super Bowl who are not Bill Belichick were Bruce Arians, Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, Gary Kubiak, and Pete Carroll. So it's not impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these days it's much harder to yeah. win the Super Bowl with kind of a like a bullshit quarterback. I mean, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson, but like, come on, that wasn't Nick Foles for those few weeks. That was someone else. That was some other guy. It's like yeah. Joe Flacco in 2012. You don't need a lead quarterback. You need a quarterback who's playing a lead for that month. That and then, of course, you had Peyton Manning in 2015, who uh, wasn't a lead quarterback, but not that season. Won the Super Bowl, though. Right. It's Peyton Manning. Yeah, it's weird. That was, it, was, it was so weird that he, like, he had a season where he had 49 touchdowns, broke the record. Got spanked by the Patriots in the playoffs. Year where he had 55 touchdowns, broke the record again. Got spanked by the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Multiple MVP seasons, a bunch of MVP seasons were, you know, kind of a. Uh, it didn't go well in the playoffs. And then he's just playing. He he can't even like throw the ball 10 yards. His neck doesn't work. His spine doesn't work. He doesn't actually have feeling in his fingertips. He can't move. He looks like a corpse. And they win the Super Bowl. Incredible. Football is so goddamn stupid. It is so stupid. It really is. Anyways. It really is. Well, are you ready to watch Succession? Yes. I was going to say something. Okay, yeah. This random fact that came across, I had to – I absolutely had to say it on the podcast today. I left this Wikipedia open because I was so curious uh, that – so Bruce Boudreaux just got hired to be the Vancouver Canucks head coach. We both like Bruce Boudreaux. Great coach. Mm -hmm. Listen to this line in his Wikipedia. During his playing career, Boudreaux appeared in the, as an extra in the 1979 hockey film Slapshot with his apartment at the, at the time used to film for Paul Newman's character. Using the film for Paul Newman's character. What? So Paul Newman's apartment in that was Bruce Boudreaux's apartment when he was a minor league hockey player. Come on. Isn't that weird? How funny. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. That is a fun fact. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for the week? Um. Yeah move somewhere else and find new sports teams <laughs> no. yeah uh i honestly i don't think i do and not not today do you have any well last i have a recommendation and an anti-recommendation last sunday after we recorded i went to see king richard good sports okay. movie i i haven't seen a sports movie in a while that i enjoyed in theaters and it was it was good it was solid for those who don't know it's about venus and serena's dad richard williams played by will smith Good stuff. It was interesting. A fascinating story. You know, a flawed fella, you could say, but good, enjoyable movie. Very nice. Yeah. Anti-recommendation, Ghostbusters Afterlife. You saw that one too? I saw that alone on Friday. What a piece of shit. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's the worst movie. I said this. I think it's the worst Big Ten poll movie I maybe have ever seen. It was like worse than Rise of Skywalker, I thought. What? It, it was stunningly bad it's only getting kind of bad reviews just because how like kind of cringy and cynical the ending is but Um, i thought i really like every scene i was like come on get out of here really that bad huh yeah it it was it was like it was bizarrely sloppy Yikes, hate that. Like, okay, so you know what? Sometimes in a show, something happens. When a show runs long enough, a character does something or says something about themselves, but later you learn something else that kind of contradicts it. And it's like, they probably forgot about that thing they wrote four years ago. Yeah. The show. They did that in a fucking two hour movie somehow. 
like they, they like like this Finn Wolfhard's character who I don't remember any of the characters names Finn Wolfhard's character finds the old Ghostbusters mobile like in his garage and he like gets it to work and he starts driving it through this field and he's like drifting and stuff he's doing spins he's like looks like a professional driver gets out of the road and his sister's there with her friend her friend's name is podcast uh and I'm sorry what her friend's name is podcast like uh, nickname or her her legal legal given name no it's no it's a guy um he says people call me podcast i don't know if it's actually but that's that's the only thing he's called in the movie okay well, uh, so anyway they get in the car and the podcast is like wow you're a good driver and the sister's like he failed his road test three times and it's like he did and why does he drive like that why does he drive like he's in the fast and the furious and then, and then, an important plot point you find out later, he's 15. So did he take his road test? Why does he drive? Oh, well, it makes no sense. Permit. Yes, you explicitly find out that he just turned 15. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's not it, even... It doesn't even make sense. It was so bad. Every scene of it was so bad. It was it was shocking. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate yeah, it. Yeah. Jason Reitman, the director, the son of the original Ghostbusters director, Ivan Reitman, he's like, I like I have imposter syndrome or some shit. And I was like, I, I can see why. Good. I feel God. that way too well, for you. I wasn't gonna see that movie anyways, but thank you for saying that because now I will definitely, I guess, make sure I don't see it. Yeah, the one upside is there was a cool ghost named Muncher that was this big fat guy. He doesn't talk. He just makes noises. And um, he's quote-unquote voiced by Josh Gad. Oh. And the way it was put is Josh Gad provides the grunts and squeals for Muncher. So that was cool, I thought. Muncher is a cool. Gad fan? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. He's not one of those guys that I don't know why they have fans. I know exactly who his fans are. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let me say, God bless you. <laughs> Love all those grunts and squeals. One of his best performances yet. Love those grunts and squeals. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, there you go, everybody. There you have it. One movie to see and one movie to never see. So spare yourself the time and do not see the new Ghostbusters movie. You heard it here first, folks. This That's right. Then a, Let's another- go watch Succession. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. We're about to go watch right now. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using and whatever social media platforms you use. Same thing for us. Make sure you're checking us out on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. And make sure you're following or subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. So we hope you all have a great start to your week. One more time, this has been Straight Up Sabres. 